listening to the Abide Podcast. To find out more about Abide, go to AbideChurchFL.com and enjoy today's message. I want to invite Steve up and I want us to stretch our hands as he comes. This is Steve's last time sharing as he goes back to South Africa and he goes, huh? No, no, no. He's just going for a few weeks. Give me time. Y'all are worried. That means you love him. Like what? He's going to South Africa for about four or five weeks. Um, he has a whole other ministry called Daniel Group in South Africa, which is amazing. And he's going to steward that. So would you stretch your hands? Let's just pray over him. Father, we ask that as, as he delivers the word today, that it would go deep into our hearts, God. That every word that, that proceeds from his mouth would be straight from the throne room. We receive from him this morning. We position our hearts to receive as a kingdom family. We bless him. We bless Jackie, the family, and Daniel group. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. 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 You all can pray for us for our flights. It's like 36 hours of travel uh, over two nights. I'm like, oh, Jesus, I don't sleep on planes. It's going to be two nights in a row. Um, so uh, I want to invite Robert and, and Jennifer to come up. I want them to share a testimony as, uh, as what they're going to share really lines up with what I feel God wants um, to really speak to us this morning. So do you guys want to come on up? And can we give them a round of applause as they come up? Good morning, everybody. Um, two weeks ago, we went on an outreach um, with Pastor Stephen and the rest of the church, um, and we went to Home Depot. I'm not good at this. So I'm a little nervous, um, unlike my wife. Um, but uh, we walked through Home Depot, and we were walking through there looking for somebody to talk to, to pray. And as we were walking, we found somebody, actually Stephen found somebody, an older gentleman, and uh, started speaking to him and asking him, you know, how he was doing and if he had any pain. And uh, the gentleman said no, he didn't feel any pain, but you could tell he was kind of standoffish and kind of like wondering what we were doing. And uh, so then he asked him again, you know, well, maybe is your wife having any pain? And he was like, then he, he looked a little different. He was kind of serious then. And he said, no, um, we're not together anymore. And you could see his demeanor change. And uh, Pastor Stephen asked, well, maybe is it okay if I pray for you and uh, help you get through this? And he was like, no, you know. And then all of a sudden he was like, I don't speak English. And... <laughs> So automatically, right out of my mouth, I go, bueno, yo hablo español. And he was like, okay, now what do I do? Um, so I, I proceed to tell him that, you know, Pastor Stephen is one of our pastors at our church, and we're out, you know, trying to talk to the word and bless people. And he was like, well, I have a spiritual hurt. And that when Pastor Sian, I told him because he said it in Spanish and I told him and he said, well, can I pray for you? And he goes, um, yes, you can. And then that's again when he, when he said, Pastor Stephen goes, well, Robert, why don't you pray for him? Because if I do, he won't understand me. 
And I was like, oh, Lord. I, I, this was the first time I had done this. So automatically I panicked. And uh, I just said real quick in my own mind, I said, Lord, just use my tongue to speak your words. And that way I don't offend this man or you, Lord. And um, as soon as I put my hand on him, the words just started flowing out. And um, it was really good. And I'm glad I did this because... Like you say, Pastor Gio, sometimes we have to come and step out into the uncomfortable so that we can start feeling his yeah. power. Come on. Come on. So, thank you. Hey, guys. So, we were at the Home Depot in Brandon, and so we decided to stay in the complex. So, then after we left Home Depot, we proceeded to walk over to Hobby Lobby and case out, and case out that joint. And, and literally, we were like up and down, up and down the halls. And um, we were actually, we had actually almost circled all the way back through the front. And Robert and Pastor Steve were in front of me. And evidently, they sell uh, recliners now at Hobby Lobby. So, and I just stopped. It was almost like ding, ding, goes off, you know. And I just looked to my right, and there's this older lady and it was, she was with her daughter and this, this poor lady, she was just, you know, her face, she was, is just like scrunched and just bent over and her back was leaning forward. She was clearly in pain. And so I just knelt down and I just asked her, I said, um, are you okay? You know, are, are you feeling any pain? And, and she said, yes, I actually just got out of the hospital yesterday. She said, I can't move my shoulder, you know, my back. And, um, and I just said, we're just out, you know, you, because, you know, you just don't know, are people going to think that you're crazy? You know, like, what are you doing? And I said, we just, we're just out praying for people. And we, you know, the Holy Spirit just told me to stop and talk to you. And then Pastor Steve, he, he just, you know, chimed right in. And, um, and after she had told us about her back and meanwhile, her daughter's already in tears right next to her. I mean, just in tears. And she, you could tell she needed this just as much as her mom did. I mean, and so Pastor Steve began to physically pray over her spine. And when I tell you that this lady went from this to this, her eyes, her eyes were like, I mean, they were sad. They were so sad before and they became bright. Yes, they did. And then Pastor Steve actually took her daughter aside and began to speak to her because all this burden of caring for her mom was only on her. And it's hard. I mean, it's definitely hard. Um, so that was just amazing. And they were just so thankful and just, just said, you know, we need more people. We need more people like you guys out praying. And so, you know, our first experience out was just, it was amazing. We got no rejections whatsoever. And, um, and it was awesome. And, and, and it was really awesome to be with Pastor Steve as our first time, you know, guiding us. So, um, and do I have time for one more? Can we get a round of applause? So. I think the thing that that's awesome is that it was their first time. 
you know, and I think that God meets us when we, when we step out and we just are saying, God, I'm available to be used. He'll move. He'll move. You know, so I want, I want you to open with me in your Bibles to Isaiah 6. Isaiah 6, verses 1 to 9. It'll come up on the screen there. It says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongues from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. Then I heard the Lord, the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. He said, go, and then it carries on, but I wanted to stop there. And, and I really wanna speak this morning about a message called the call and the response. The call and the response. You see, there were two questions that were asked of Isaiah. The Lord asked two simple questions. He said, whom shall I send? Is the first question. And who shall go for us? And, and when I read that, I used to read it thinking, man, is God just repeating himself? Because it almost sounds the same. But they're actually different. The one is the call. The other is the response. The call is, whom shall I send? There's, there's a sending that God is giving out. He releases the sending out. But the question mark is, but who will go? Who will actually respond to the first question? And that shows me that not everyone is willing to respond to the first one. That he's sending us out, but are we willing to go? Or are we comfortable? And today I believe that God is asking the same question, whom shall I send? And the answer to that is all of us. All of us. Whom shall I send is me, is you, is you, is you. It's every single one of us. Matthew 28 verse 18 to 20 says, that go and make disciples of all nations. Amen? So as long as you are part of his kingdom, that call is upon your life to go and make disciples of all nations. Mark 16 verse 15, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all of creation. Romans 10 verse 13 to 15, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach 
unless they are sent. There's that word sent again. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. Now, do you see the link between the beginning, which talks about how can someone be saved without hearing the gospel and the final statement about them being sent? Guys, people coming into the kingdom is related to us going. The more we go, the more come into the kingdom. We can't just, you know, believe that God's going to do dreams and everyone's going to come into the kingdom that he is doing that. In fact, he's doing that in a powerful way. But majority of the time, he uses little old me to get out there and share the gospel with someone. Most of us are sitting here because someone bothered to take time and share with us. Whether it was our family, a friend, a colleague, someone shared the gospel to us. But we've handed the responsibility of sharing the gospel over to a televangelist. Well, God, I hope that that person does it to my family member. Oh, no, no, God's put you there. We've handed it over to our pastors. Well, our pastors will preach. I'll bring them to church and my pastor will give an altar call. No, no, you preach the gospel. Jesus never handed it over. In fact, we've gone and because, guys, I believe in the fivefold ministry, okay? I believe in the fivefold evangelist, but we've handed over the responsibility of witnessing to the fivefold evangelist. Jesus never did that. He says we are all called. He never sent out some of the disciples. He sent them all out. He never turned around and said, you know what, Peter, you pretty flamboyant, you, you know, you're outgoing, you go out. Matthew, you're a tax collector. People are not gonna like you. Maybe you should stay behind. John, you're a little bit young. I think you should also stay behind and watch for a while. Well, Judas, we know where you're at, so we don't think you should go. <laughs> but the reality is, that even with all the excuses in the world, he sends out all 12. And we hold on to these excuses and he's like, no, 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 go. No, but God, I'm, I need to wait until I finish Bible school. No, go. Well, God, I've only been a Christian for a couple of weeks. No, go. You've got a testimony to share. You don't have to wait for all of these things. We just need to be obedient. He never see, said that some of us will receive power to be a witness. He said that we, all of us, will receive power to become a witness. I pray that we can become like the Apostle Paul who said this in 1, 1 Corinthians 9.16. So I'm gonna jump a, um, a thing. 1 Corinthians 9.16, it says, yet when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast for I am compelled to preach. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. And guys, as you probably have picked up, this is a passion of mine. As much as it's a passion of mine, I don't have this revelation. I don't look where Paul looks and says, woe is me if I don't preach the gospel. And I'm like, God, there's something that this man carried in his heart that he was burdened for the loss that he said, I 
cannot exist without preaching the gospel. And woe is me if I don't do this. And I'm like, God, you got to change my heart. You got to change my heart. When we come in here and we're praying, and I love the fact on Wednesday night, we're praying for the nations. What happened this morning when we pray, there's something God is doing in the city. But let me tell you something. The greatest thing is when you pray for the nations, what God does first before he sends you to a nation, he'll give you the heart. So one of the best things about our prayer meetings is that it's a place where God's gonna start stirring your heart. He's gonna change your heart so that when you drive out there, you can't look at it the same. So Isaiah had to have this revelation where he comes and he sees God for who he is. And in that moment, his heart has changed and God says, who will go? And he's like, God, I'll do anything. Quickly, there are five steps. If you look at Isaiah there, what he did. We'll put on the screen. Number one, he had a revelation of Jesus. Number two, there was repentance that took place in that moment. Number three, Forgiveness. Don't stop at repentance. Recognize he forgives you and walk in it. Number four was the calling and number five is the response. And I believe that that's what God's doing. If I look even at the last couple of months and I'm looking at this, I'm like, we're in this place of beholding is the revelation of Jesus. We're in a place, guys, remember the times where the altar is full and people are repenting. It's the repentance and the forgiveness. And I'm looking at this, I'm saying God's calling us to a place now where he's also saying there's a calling and a response for us out there, for us to carry it. And so today I wanna share a message on the call and the response. And I wanna share about another gentleman called Eliezer. Now, I have a quick thing, Bible quiz. Anyone can tell me, first hand up, who was Eliezer? Mm-mm-mm. I did say hands up, but. <laughs> All right, for those who didn't hear, Eliezer was Abraham's servant. And I wanna really have a look at a story now in Genesis and the story of Eliezer. And this story actually parallels the call on us to be evangelists. And basically the story, I'm gonna give you a summary and then we're gonna open our Bibles and go there. But the summary of the story is that Abraham is looking at his son and saying, man, you look pretty lonely. We need to get a wife for you. So he sends his servants to go and find a wife. And then the the servant finds a wife and Rebecca comes back. But it's really the story, if you think about it, it's a father wanting a bride for his son. Does that sound familiar? So the father sends a servant, which we're gonna touch on in a moment, to go out there and find the bride. And this is why I believe that this story is actually a parallel because the father is wanting a bride for his son. And as much as we are the bride, there are people out there who are the Rebecca's who haven't yet been called into the kingdom. And he's still sending out servants today. So open your Bibles with me to Genesis 24.
Genesis 24 verse 1. Now Abraham was old, well advanced in years. And the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said to a servant, the oldest of his household, who had charge of all that he had, put your hand under my thigh that I may make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of the earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell, but will go to the country and to my kindred and take a wife for my son, Isaac. Now I wanna stop there and quickly look at it. How many of you have got the New King James Version, the New American Standard or the New International Bible that you're reading in? Did you notice that they don't use his name? That's one of the reasons why a lot of people don't even know who Eliezer is is that in those three translations, they don't give his name. Historians are the ones who tell us that it was a gentleman called Eleazar, and so it is added into the other translations. But the reason I stop and say that is that I believe that the revival that we're walking into is gonna be a nameless generation. I mean, imagine one day we get to heaven (laughs) and, and this dude walks up to us and he's like, hi, my name is Eliezer. And we're like, Eli, you? Like, I have no idea who you are. I mean, the poor guy for eternity has been left out of half of the Bibles. So half the Christians are not gonna know who he is. And yet he's imperative to the lineage of Christ. Without him, the lineage of Christ would have been broken. So he played a massively important role but he was nameless, he was just a servant. And you know what, sometimes God wants us to be nameless. Well, it's not about our name, it's about just doing what he tells us to do. And that's what I believe he wants to do in the next season. His name literally means God has helped. That's a cool name, don't you think? Are you building for yourself or are you building for him? We've got to come back to the place of living a Christianity whereby people are walking in a place of denying themselves. Because that's not a message that's preached in a lot of places. But look at the scripture. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Now for a moment, this isn't heresy, but I want you just to hear what I'm saying. For a moment, I'm gonna take out the cross from that statement and look what it says. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself. And we've forgotten that message that before you can actually take the cross, that's your starting point. He must deny himself, then take up the cross. We've come to the place where it's like, well, take up the cross and hopefully in the process, you'll deny yourself. Jesus' starting point is you can't have the cross without denial. That's why he's like, listen, if you are not willing to leave your dead father behind, you're not worthy to follow me. If you're not willing to leave behind all your wealth, you're not worthy to follow me. And we're like, that is harsh. Why? Because that's his gospel. That's not the one that we preach, that's his gospel. Deny yourself, then take up your cross and follow me. I'd like to see some altar calls where that's the altar call. 
it might not be as full, but I think we'd have more genuine conversions. Maybe denying yourself means fasting more. Ouch. Maybe denying yourself means getting up early for time with Jesus. We love our flesh too much. <laughs> we really do. We love our flesh too much. We've heard it when my pastor speaking about like the night before Jesus was, was crucified. And he says to his disciples, will you come and pray with me? He's literally inviting them into a place of having this amazing encounter. Imagine that the son of God, who's about to do the most powerful act in history is inviting you to a place of doing it with him. And their flesh was too weak. And when you say, God, would we crucify this flesh that we can pursue you and everything you have for us. So Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9 verse 27, he says, I beat my body. I beat my body. Guys, there's a place for it. Let's get rid of this Christianity that looks like it's only, I'll only do it if it feels good. If that was the case, I would sleep in until probably nine, 10 o'clock every morning because that feels good. but that's not the life he's called us to. There are times I've heard of people where God speaks to them and gives them a call to go to a certain nation. And they said no because of their family situation. I'm like, you can't do that. Who is Lord here? Who is Lord here? Deny yourself. It's not about you. Anyway, let's carry on. The servant said to him, perhaps the woman may not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I then take your son back to the land from which you came? All right, now this is, this is a question mark that we have. So remember, this is now a parallel between us as servants and the master. So he's saying, but what happens what happens if the, if the woman's not willing to come back? And this is the same thing that we always argue with God. But God, what happens if the people are not willing to listen to me? Moses did the same thing. But God, what happens if Pharaoh won't listen? Look at what Ezekiel said. And he said to me, son of man, stand on your feet and I will speak with you. And as he spoke to me, the spirit entered into me and set me on my feet and I heard him speaking to me. And he said to me, son of man, I send you to the people of Israel to the nation of rebels who have rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day. The descendants also are impudent and stubborn. I send you to them and you shall say to them, thus says the Lord God. And whether they hear or refuse to hear for their rebellious house, they will know that a prophet has been among them. That's not a great thing that God says to you if that's you, because you're just like, oh, so you're actually telling me that I'm going to rebellious people and they probably won't listen, all right? Guys, the reality is we live in a world where people are not necessarily gonna like what you say. We gotta get comfortable with that. It doesn't mean it'll be comfortable, but we have to come to the place where we recognize that this is part of the call that we need to respond to, amen? 
Why do you think the apostles prayed in Acts, I think it's Acts 4, where they said, God, give us boldness. Stretch out your hands with signs and wonders. Give us boldness. Why do the apostles need boldness? Because they're probably shaking in their boots. They're afraid. If the apostles are afraid, guys, you're in good company. Our responsibility is not whether people will listen, it's to be God's humble servant. So have I received rejection? <laughs> yes, I have on plenty of times, but I've also seen God do amazing things. And I wanna share one story with you that I think I shared at the beginning of the year, but I wanna share it again, because for me, it reiterates this point, is we went on our treaches two days in a row. And on the first day, these ladies came back and shared that they approached this guy and were sharing the gospel with this guy and he wanted nothing to do with them. And they were actually quite put out by it. They were discouraged. They're like, man, it was sore. It was hard for us. And we're like, well, well done for doing it. We shared about this. We're gonna pray for them. The following day, another two ladies went out onto the streets and they get a word of knowledge for a guy walking on the other side of the street. So they went across, they start talking with this guy and this guy's like, are you kidding me? Yesterday I had two people trying to share the gospel with me. And one of the ladies said, it's because God's trying to get your attention. And through that they shared the gospel and he gave his life to Jesus. And you see, I share that because a day before, if you were to analyze it, you would say that it was an unsuccessful evangelism campaign. You would say, ah, oh, you missed it. That guy's heart is too hard. You are one day away from that person getting born again. And all you are is you are the little chain, the link in the chain. Ah, uh, we don't save anyone. Holy Spirit is the one who convicts people and Jesus is the one who paid the price. All we've got to do is be faithful to get out there and share. He's the one. And so I want to just take that pressure off of you that God doesn't tell us to go out and save people. He just tells us to go out and be witnesses. So they're asking this question of, or, or the servant is saying, but what happens if they don't, if they don't listen? And Abraham said to him, let's carry on. It says, see to it that you do not take my son back there. The Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, and who spoke to me and swore to me, to your offspring, I will give this land. He will send his angel before you and you will take a wife for my son from there. But if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you'll be free from my oath of mine. Only you must not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning this matter. Now in verse seven, it's interesting. It says there that he will send his angel before you. What do you think the angel represents? Holy Spirit. The greatest thing about us stepping out is that he's gone before us. When we have that revelation that all we're doing is actually catching up with him and partnering with him, it changes evangelism. Because suddenly you start seeing what he is doing. The Holy Spirit is the greatest evangelist. So I'll share with you this story. So I went to Egypt uh, a number of years ago. It was my first trip there. I've been there about three, four times. And uh, it is illegal to preach the gospel in Egypt. 
And we took a trip from Cairo to Alexandria the one day. And on the way back, I had this like bad migraine. I mean, it was, it was terrible. Um, I actually ended up by the end of the trip, I was so dehydrated when I got back to South Africa, I went to hospital. They put me into hospital um, for dehydration. Anyway, but that's a side thing. So I was coming back in this taxi and dehydrated migraine and my friend Andrew there, Migraine. Come on, guys. If it's mine, it's a migraine, okay? Just. <laughs> you guys are gonna wave quicker at me if you don't understand something, okay? Migraine. All right. So I had a headache. And. And I'm coming back on this taxi and my friend starts talking to this guy about, do you know Isa? So in Islam, um, Jesus is actually in the Quran, but his name is Isa. So he says to him, he says, do you know Isa? And with that, the guy leans forward and turns the volume up really high on the music in a conversation. So I'm like, <laughs> nice try, Andrew, good one. Um, and about, it's, it's about a four hour drive, if I remember correctly. So, so about half an hour later, Andrew leans forward, starts chatting with the guy. And then he shifts it and says, hey, I've got a relationship with Isa, all of this. And the guy's like, no, nah, turns the music up, doesn't want to listen. So I'm like, well, Andrew, I'll give you 10 out of 10 for just persevering. About 20 minutes later, he leans forward and he says to the guy, he says, listen, um, I just had this picture that, that God spoke to me now and says that he gave you your name, not your father. And with that, the guy leans forward and he switches the music off. And he says, what do you mean? So he says, well, I've been trying to explain to you, I've got a relationship with God. And God just spoke to me and said that he was the one who gave you your name, not your father. And this guy suddenly opened up and said, I've grown up my whole life in a Muslim family and the night before I was born, my dad had a name he was going to give me, and he had a dream where God appeared to him and said, that's not his name, this is his name. He hasn't told anyone that, and 23 years later, a person sitting in a taxi tells him that. We arrive back at the hotel, he says, hang on. He drives half an hour, picks up a friend, comes back to the hotel and says, I want to hear about this Jesus of yours. And for the next hour, Andrew got to share the gospel with these two gentlemen. And, and, I, and I share that with you because the Holy Spirit is the greatest evangelist. You can try and do it and think, but when he goes ahead, he's been on that guy's case. So Abraham says, don't worry about it. God will send an angel before you. It says, Then the servant took 10 of the master's camels and departed, taking all sorts of choice gifts from his master. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia to the city of Nahor. He took 10 of the master's camels. He took gifts from Abraham, right? The gifts of the Holy Spirit. So God says, Hey, I've got gifts for you. Use it. Use it. I'm gonna empower you, why? So you can be a witness, use it. Now, can you imagine if Eliezer arrived there and he said, hey guys, look at my camels. 
They're beautiful, aren't they? It's like, they're not your camels. They're Abraham's camels. You're a servant. But how many of us do that when it comes to the gifts? Look at my gifts. And we go parading around. No, 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 you're a servant. Those aren't your gifts. Those are God's gifts. And why are those gifts there? To woo the bride. And I think we've got to recognize, in fact, there's a scripture in, in 1 Corinthians where it talks about prophecy. And it actually says that prophecy in the church, when an unsaved person or an unbeliever comes into the church, it'll reveal their hearts. And it says it'll, they'll end up worshiping God. What is that? That's a salvation experience. In other words, one of the fruits of the prophetic in a church is it's supposed to bring people to Christ. It's not just about reading your mail and encouraging you. Amen? So the other week I was out here, we were doing our, our last um, outreach in that here in Brandon. And God gave me a maroon car. These are the things that we were praying that I felt like a maroon car, a woman, and then I, I can't actually remember what it was, but just a word of knowledge. And then the team went out and I had a number of things I had to go and do. So I'm driving around and I'm getting frustrated because I'm supposed to be back on the outreach and I had to go and do some printing for another thing that was happening. And it was just like, you know, when one of those days and I'm like, but God, I need to be like on the outreach. And as I walked out of Office Depot here, I get into my car and I look across the parking lot and there's a maroon car sitting there. And I'm like, well, that's crazy. So I go across and there's a lady, she's sitting on her phone talking with someone, FaceTiming. And so I walk up and she, she looks across at me and she, she says, yes, can I help you? And I start sharing with her. She actually just says to the person on the other end, just hold on a second. And I just start sharing with her what God has shown me. And she starts crying. And she's like, she said to me these words. She said, this morning I prayed that God would reveal himself to me. And you came up. And I'm like, I, I drove away and I'm like, God, I was getting frustrated because I'm having to drive to all these shops and I should be out there. And maybe it was him saying, I need to get you to that shop at that specific time. And so I'm delaying you to get there. We got to recognize he is the greatest evangelist. Amen. All right, so coming back to our story, it says that he made the camels kneel down outside the city by the well of water at the time of evening, the time when women go out to draw water. And he said, oh Lord, God of my master Abraham, please grant me success today and show steadfast love to my master Abraham. Behold, I am standing by the spring of water and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw. Let the young woman to whom I shall say, please let down your jar that I may drink and who shall say, drink and I will water your camels. Let her be the one whom you have appointed for your servant Isaac. By this I shall know that you have shown steadfast love to my master. All right, he prayed and he went. He went where the people were. Guys, this is key. He didn't go and hang out in a place where the women weren't gonna be. Why? He had a mission. So he activated his faith and he's like, I know the woman come to the well in the evening, I'm going there. 
Guys, if we're going to reach the lost, guess what? We are the lost. Out these doors, out there. All right? We got to get out. They're in your workplace. They're in your school. They're everywhere you are. That's it. And we need to ask God to open up our eyes. So he went to that location. Matthew 10 verse 7 says, As you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those of leprosy, drive out demons. Freely have received, freely give. It's as you go. It's not, let's set up a tent and have a crusade. Now those things are, don't get me wrong, those things have brought a lot of people to Christ. But Jesus still believes in as you go. He still believes in as you wake up and go to work, preach. As you get up and have Thanksgiving with your family, oof, I'm really hitting a hard one. And your uncle's there, who is as stubborn as an ox, doesn't want to hear anything, as you go, preach the gospel. Some of us are waiting in the temple when God's saying, get out, get out. Some of you are looking for a spouse, physically, get out. Meet people. Oh Lord, give me a spot. Are you meeting someone? Like Christian guy. Thank you, Jackie, for clarifying. Like, but we got to be out. You got to be meeting people. Amen? I did not hear enough amens on that. Normally I get a better response than that. All right. Moving on. Before he had finished speaking, behold, Rebecca, who was born to Bethuel, the son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out of the water jar on his shoulder. The young woman was very attractive in appearance, a maiden whom no man had known. She went down to the spring and filled her jar and came up. Before he had finished speaking. This is how much God's excited for us to get out. He's praying and God's already working. Amen. God's more excited to give us than we are to receive. Then a servant ran to meet her and said, please give me a little water to drink from your jar. She said, drink my Lord. And she quickly let down her hair upon her, her hand and gave him a drink. When she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough and ran again to the well to draw water. And she drew for all his camels. Verse 19, bingo. He prayed, God, this is how I will recognize the woman. That when I ask her for a jar of water, she'll say, let me do your camels as well. But did Rebecca know that? No. So all Rebecca is doing is an act of kindness. All Rebecca is doing is serving. But as she serves, something happens in the spirit. Sometimes God's gonna ask you to do an act of service. And you think to yourself, that is so menial, what on earth is that gonna do? Like God, I thought I was called to be on the worship team. And you've asked me to greet people as I come in. I thought I'm gonna be doing this, but you're asking me to clean bathrooms. 
and, and we, we've categorized what he can and cannot do and what's better and that. No, no, it's all unto him. It's worship to him when we serve. And Rebecca coming and serving did not even realize that that act of service was the thing that unlocked her future. How many of you remember David? His father says, listen, I want you to take some bread to your brothers. Now he could have gotten angry with his father and said, listen, can't you send your servant to do that? I mean, he must've had servants. Why are you sending me? I've got the sheep to look after. Send a servant to go and do that. It's a menial task. No, no, no. It was getting David to the battleground for him to walk into it. Don't turn God away when he asks you to do something that you think is just menial. Because it might be an activation for you to step into your calling. And so from there, we see Rebecca meeting Eliezer and ultimately coming and being the bride for Isaac. And so I share all of this with you because the, the God has called us to a place where he is asking us to be Eliezer's. Where he's asking us like Isaiah, where he's saying, will you respond to my call? Will you go? Will you be there? And there are two groups of people that I wanna pray as we finish off. I wanna pray for two groups of people. The first is I wanna pray for all of us. I'm not gonna make an altar call that you come to the front because I believe it's all of us. We are all called. So for some of us, there's a greater thing that the Holy Spirit has done in your heart that you can feel that you need to respond to, but you don't have to be here at the altar. I'm gonna pray. There's gonna be a response that you need to do before yourself and Him. But there's a second group of people that I also wanna pray with. And I want to pray with people who your heart burns for the lost. That you are broken when you see people out there. That God is doing something inside of you that is beyond just, I know I've got to do this. But it's like, it's almost just part of your DNA. You can't get your eyes away from seeing people in that light. And I want to pray with those people. But I want to start by praying for all of us, for a greater measure, for him to open up our eyes. Jesus made this statement. It says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. That is catastrophic. That a harvest would be plentiful, but not many people are willing to respond to it. And in his response, gives us a glimpse into who he is. He says, therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest. That's what we do. When we pray here, we are praying to the Lord of the harvest. God, send out laborers. Send out laborers. And he's gonna do it. Why? Because it's in line with his heart. He's gonna do it. But here's the crazy part, is when you pray it, he's not gonna point to the person next to you and say, okay, you respond to it you will be the answer to your own prayer. He's gonna put it on you saying, okay, go. I'm giving you the heart, now go. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you are the Lord of the harvest. And Father, we pray right now, firstly for ourselves, that God, that you would help us to be able to get out of those places of comfort zones in our own hearts 
that, Father, that we would lift up our eyes to the harvest, that we would see the harvest as you see it, God. And we pray, Father, even just for our heart of brokenness to the lost, that, Father, that we would see people in a depraved state. We would have a greater revelation, Father, of how temporal this life is and that so many people will face you one day not knowing you. Give us that heart, Father. May it be so burned into our hearts, Father, that, when we, that we can look like Paul and say, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel, that we would see it and, and have it so, so sitting there, God, that we'll be crying out, crying out for people in our workplace, crying out for family members, crying out for people in, in our schools and colleges, God. Give us the heart of evangelists. Change our hearts. And so the next step I wanna do is, I actually wanna pray and lay hands on people. This is something that is a burden already in your life. You know what I'm talking about. I can't look at nations, I can't, it's just, it's just so part of who I am. And that's because of a call that's upon my life. And so if you, are, if you are here and you say, Stephen, I can identify with that. I feel that burden. I carry that burden. I want you to come to the front and I want to pray with you. I feel like it's almost a commissioning. It's not, it's not a, like a sending to other nations. We're not commissioning you to be missionaries, but I feel it's a response to God to say, God, I know that there's something out there. Father, we thank you. Thank you for nations. Thank you for people. Thank you for, thank you for the lost. Would you give us that burden, Father? Father, people who already carry that burden, Father, we pray for an anointing, an anointing on their lives, Father an anointing on their lives, Father. A grace, a grace, a grace, a grace. One of the things, I'm, I'm gonna pray this as well, so I wanna preface it. One of the things I've been chatting with evangelists, and one of the things that COVID did was COVID silenced the evangelists. It silenced the evangelists because people, this, this two meters, six foot distance that you gotta keep with people and staying away from people, it silenced a lot of evangelists. And God's wanting to restore the evangelists, people who are called to get out. And so Father, right now, we just restore what the enemy has stolen with the visions, with the dreams. Father, with the boldness to step out, Father, we just come in line. We say, yes, 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 Father, more, 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 more. More, 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 more. Father, may it be burned in us, Father. May it be burned in us, Father. 
and be burned in us, Father. And we can't run away, we can't run away, we can't run away, but that we would see it, that we would see it, we would see it. More Jesus, 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 more, 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 more. More Jesus, more Jesus, more Jesus. We break fear right now in the name of Jesus. Fear, fear will go right now. We pray for a boldness to come over these people, Father. A boldness to share, a boldness to witness, God. A boldness to go out, Father, right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I want us to pray. I really felt in my heart to just, man, if there's anybody in the room that doesn't know Jesus, like Jesus comes tonight, 8 p.m., you're not sure you're gonna hear well done before him. I don't care if you come here every week. We just wanna make space for you to get right with God. So Father, we ask you for grace right now for anyone who's in the room, even the secret things of the heart, God, we repent and we make space and we choose you as Lord. I don't know who you are, but I just encourage you today to just find someone, pray through. God, we ask you for grace, for the ability to receive salvation, that you break the bondages of generational curses and depression and the weights from life. I felt to pray, would you guys just stretch your hands as we just, let's just stretch our hands that God would release the burden of the evangelists on these here. That it would not be the burden from the world, it would be the Lord's. Father, as a spiritual family, we just stretch out our hands and we say, God, would you release your burden for the lost? God, would they carry you everywhere they go, that it would be a healthy burden. God, that it would be marked by the Holy Spirit, that everywhere they would look, they would see you there among the broken. Your word says, when did we see you? I was hungry and you fed me. I, I didn't have clothes and you gave me clothes. I, didn't, I was thirsty, you gave me drink. God, we ask you, God, that you would release the burden of the Holy Spirit for the lost in Brandon, in Tampa, in Plant City, in Valrico. God, as a family, we ask, would you impart something deep into them? Would you remove every single thing, God, that would hinder them? from going, from giving you their yes for their families, for their neighborhoods? Would you release the burden of the evangelist? Would you give them eyes to see the harvest? Father, we pray, would you thrust forth Iqbalo laborers into the harvest? Make ways, give provision. Release from your storehouse the ability to go to the neighborhood, to the nations. Would you bless their yes? I pray even that there would be an unsettling for those that have given their yes, that there would be a holy dissatisfaction until he has all of you.
want to break a couple of lies that I feel like some people were believing this morning about this topic. I want to share a story and then break some things and then break two other things. But um, I have been marked for the nations my whole life. Like I carry a burden for the nations and people and trafficking. And and then a few years ago, like we, we had kids and I, and I was just in a season of like, what can I do? I'm just really bitter with the Lord. And we have Dr. Michael Brown in at our other campus and we're riding, driving him to lunch and he turns around and he goes, I don't know why I'm sharing this, but I have a friend who she was called to be a missionary and then she had kids. And so the Lord began to deal with her about taking her kids on missions to the grocery store. And I just began to weep because I was like, okay, Lord, like, yes, I'll do that. If I can't go, then I'll do it here. And I feel like sometimes we have this burden and this call. And then when it doesn't look like we want it to look, we just brush it off. Like, I'm not going to do that, God. And the Lord wants to restore. Some of you have been carrying for years this burden for the lost and the nations and the broken. And because of your season, you just don't want to step into it. But I just want to break that right now in the name of Jesus, that you can make the most of every season in the name of Jesus, that our neighbors, our little Afghan refugees in the neighborhood, the the single mother in Walmart, the drug addict on the street, like, God, would you burden us? Whatever season that we are in, God, would you burden us for the lost in our path, God, that we would not be bitter and angry because it doesn't look the way we want it to look, God. But when we say, yes, we will go, we don't just mean hop on a plane and fly across the world, God. We will go across the street, Jesus. And another thing I want to break is the fear of man. (laughs) I was in Aldi on 60. And my kids were like worshiping with their hands up in the grocery cart. And I was like, oh, Lord. And Maddie goes, mommy, do the people in here know Jesus? And the Lord said, you see that? That's what I mean when I say, let the little children come and have childlike faith. She has zero fear of man. All she knows is that Jesus is worthy of praise and everybody needs to know him. So right now in the name of Jesus, I break the fear of man off of your people, God, that we would have childlike faith, God, that wherever we step our feet, wherever we go, God, that we would say you are worthy and do you know him? Do you know him? I know a man and he is worthy and do you know him? God, we break the spirit of fear of man in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And the last thing I want to address is, I love what Steve said that, you know, God doesn't just say just for the evangelist. (laughs) I hear a lot of times people say, oh, I'm an introvert. You're not that introverted when people ask you where you got your mascara from. I can promise you, if somebody asks you where your favorite restaurant is, you'll be like, oh, it's this, and I'll tell you why, because this and this and this, and be like, oh, you like that show? It's trash, let me tell you why, this is a better show. You're not introverted when it comes to the thing of the world, and I break that now in Jesus' name. It's not an introverted, extroverted, it's he is worthy. He is worthy and he will have his bride. So I break that in the name of Jesus that I'm an introvert so I can't tell people about Jesus. God, we, whether we're an evangelist, a prophet, a preacher, a teacher, a pastor, a homeschool mama, whatever it is, a businesswoman, a businessman, God, we will say yes to the call to preach the gospel. Whether it's baking cookies for our neighbor or it's standing on an airplane, 
plane of preaching over the intercom. We say yes, God, to preaching the gospel in Jesus' mighty name, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. You know, I really love what, what Tiffany shared there. If you would see what my household looks like on the Saturday before we go on an outreach, I think I come up with every reason why I shouldn't go. Just because I lead it doesn't mean that I'm like, <laughs> I want to go. But the burden that I carry and my desire to see people overrules it. And that's what it is. This doesn't mean that, like Tiffany was showing, it doesn't mean that we're all like, yeah, we want to go. We're all in different places, but it's about God. May I have that burden. So Father, we thank you. Thank you for what you are doing. Holy Spirit, you are the greatest evangelist. And so we pray for the lost right now. We pray for family, we pray for colleagues, friends. Even as we're coming to a place of getting together with family and we pray for divine encounters, moments where we can share about your goodness and who you are. And so we lift up those people that you have placed in our lives and we pray for their salvations. Just think about those people for a moment. Father, we pray for their salvation, that they would come to know you, Jesus, that they would truly have an encounter where they know you as their Lord and Savior. Give us the opportunity to be able to share. We bless you, Father. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. For those of you that God is touching, you can just linger for a few moments. I want to ask you guys, as God's ministering to these ones, to just be reverent. I had this picture of the Lord removing these hooks out of hearts of disappointment and just even of rejection, like you've been rejected as you've gone. And God, we just say you're worthy. You're worthy of those awkward moments. You're worthy of people, even when they don't receive, we give you our yes and we die on that altar of giving you our yes for the sake of souls. We ask that you remove that trauma and that pain of rejection. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. You guys can just linger. We love you guys. We'll see you in prayer room this week. Just asking you to be respectful of those that are being touched. If you have come forward, I'm gonna ask that you actually just come and see Pastor Tyler. I wanna be able to keep in touch in the new year and really be able to encourage you in the area of evangelism, uh, actually Pastor Tiffany. So if you would come and do that, once you finish, obviously let the Lord do it, but if you finish before you go, if you wouldn't mind seeing Tiffany and she will just take your details.